Welcome to Ask an Artist. I'm Peter Keegan. And I'm Laura Boswell. And over there, we have the talented Mr B on sound. Now, as you know, Laura and I are taking a bit of a well-earned break from the podcast because we're busying ourselves in the studio with a range of different artworks and workshops and book writing and so on. And you can find out more about that on our websites. But instead of going silent on you, we've decided to delve into our archive to choose some of our favourite episodes. And this week, it's a bit of a scary one because we're going to be talking all about creative block. What do you do when you don't know what to do? And we're going to talk about the different types of creative block because they come in different shapes and forms and more importantly, what to do to get over it. Now, Laura, have you ever experienced creative block in your work and practice? I certainly have. And I think all artists have. And it's really important. I think it's one of the things we talk about in the episode is the fact that it happens to everybody. There's no sort of kickoff point where you become a superb artist who's able to create all the time. So we look at all kinds of different solutions and hints and tips just to get the ball rolling again. It's nothing to be terrified by. It's just something to deal with, isn't it, Peter? That's right. That's right. Now, before we get into that episode, we're going to talk a little bit about colour. Now, I say colour. Apparently, Laura, (laughs) it says here you're going to talk about black. I mean... That's not a particularly gorgeous colour, is it, to work with? Black. Uh, well, I hope to change your mind about that. But actually, I, it feels like I've chosen it because to bring the episode down. But no, not at all. But I don't use a great deal of black in my work on its own. And to be honest, for Japanese woodblock printing, pure black areas are best printed in sumi ink rather than in watercolour paint. Sumi ink is a, is a willow charcoal ink and it's, it's traditionally used in Japanese woodblock. But black is still a crucial colour for me and I'm very particular about what black watercolour that I use because I only use black to add to other colours. So it's not used as a standalone colour in my printing and I need a black that's going to interact well in mixing. And that's why I've got Michael Harding's lamp black as well as his ivory black because his lamp black has these wonderful warm tones to it. And the ivory black has cool tones. Now, I hasten to tell you here that it is not made from ivory. I know we've spoken a lot about Michael and his his traditional methods, but no, he does not use ivory to make his ivory black. So even though I'm adding just a drop here and there, it does make a huge difference to the results when you add black to the mix. So I want the black to subdue a colour, knock it back slightly, alter it, but I I don't really use it for darkening colours. It's more to bring complexity to them. And I expect my blacks to enhance the colour mix, not kill it. And Michael Harding's two blacks give me a much wider range of options for mixing. And the results are still lively. So it's a kind of very positive way to use black watercolour paint. Well, I I do admit, I also use a a little bit of black. I use the ivory black. And you're absolutely right. If you drop a little bit of titanium white into it, it almost looks blue. It's got this sort of Mm. wonderful quality. It really is a beautiful colour. And if you at home would like to find out more about this wonderful range of blacks and, of course, the full spectrum of colour, then simply go onto Michael's website at michaelharding.co.uk. And now we've brought a far more positive spin to the colour black. Let's listen to the episode and put that equally positive spin on the issue of creative block. Hi, 
I'm Laura Boswell. And I'm Peter Keegan. And over there is the talented Mr B on sound. So do you want to take the leap and become a working artist? The sort that actually gets to make art and pay the bills at the same time? We're both that sort of artist. And with this podcast, we're going to help you become one too. In this week's episode, we shall be discussing that thing that all artists fear and dread and highly likely at some point to affect us all creative block. Not only is creative block frustrating and downheartening, but it can be disastrous, especially if you rely on your creative process to pay your bills. But it's not all bad news, as today we're going to share with you what you can do in order to stop creative block and get those creative juices flowing again. So Peter, when you say creative block, what exactly do you mean? Well, it's when those ideas don't come. It's I've had it to me before where you're you're sort of you're stuck in a rut. Mm. You're not feeling creative. You can't think of what to do or even sort of how to do it. Very sort of despondent and sort of unmotivated, which is a shame because you want to do it. That's the irony. You want to create. You yeah. want to be an artist, but you're and just kind sort of the more stuck. you want it, the less. It seems to happen. Yeah, and it's, sort of, it's a bit like, you know, the, the brain's not getting into gear, right? It's sort mm. of blocking and, and, and stopping. Um, so it is a frustrating process. Have you have you experienced it before? Oh, yeah, I think so. I mean, it might make it easier for the listeners if we just break it down into maybe sort of different aspects. Yeah, because I think creative block can arise from different uh, mm. sort of situations and circumstances in your life. So the first I would say is sort of, that sort of mental block, as I just mm. said, those ideas are not coming. You're mentally stuck. You can't think of approach. You can't think of a way out of that problem. Ideas are just not flowing as they used to do. So maybe the next one we could look at is confidence block. When you've yeah. had a knock to your self-confidence and you suddenly feel like you can't make work again. Yeah. And that often comes across when you're, you may have received some criticism or bad feedback and you just mm. feel down. You don't feel like you're able to do the work or do the job and it knocks your confidence and knocks your ability to do art. So the other thing that can crop up is routine and that can block you making art. So if you haven't got time to work or life's getting in the way or it may even be down to being poorly organised. Yeah, things like, you know, if you have big things like family and commitments or big events in your life that kind of get in the way, that that will kind of stop your ability to make art and really get into the routine of making art. And it's also possible, I think, to be kind of just totally overwhelmed. And it can almost happen when you've got too many ideas or too much uh, potential opportunities or something like that. It can just all get to be too much and you just end up doing nothing because there are so many avenues you could pursue. Out of all those different types of creative block we've just described, I think that's the one I struggle with. There's just too many ideas and too many things I want to do. And and it can be, that can be intimidating. You just find it very difficult to get started. There's too Mm. much to do. How on earth am I going to possibly be creative and produce all these wonderful works in So just information overload, basically. Yeah, absolutely. And kind of creative overload. Creative block comes in different spats of time as well. Sometimes you can sort of struggle to get an idea going, you know, in an hour or a day and then suddenly it returns. Mm -hmm. For some people, creative block lasts weeks, months, potentially even longer, depending on how kind of seriously uh, inhibiting it can be to the creative process. So it's different types of block for different people. They react to it in different ways. And I think also the thing about creative block is it can at times almost become an excuse as well. It's mm. it's kind of, especially if you sort of fallen into creative block, you have to constantly check 
that that's really what's happening and it's not just that you're thinking oh i've got creative mm. block so i can't create it's, it's and if, like, you, if you're at home thinking that. oh well you know it, that's all well and good but i'm sure that great artist doesn't suffer from creative block oh, i can no. assure you everybody this, does. this affects us all it's a creative process people who work in this creative industry you know because we work on our emotion and instinct and our heart and we're trying to say something communicate it's very easy for those instincts to slightly get tapped or get knocked back irrespective of the medium every artist no matter how experienced will get a little bit of block from time to time it is perfectly normal i suppose is what i'm trying to say it's not the end of the world well if you think about your brain as a machine that is having to produce ideas for you to put down and make into art all machines break occasionally of course yeah yeah. (laughs) it's not always going to work smoothly every time okay so let's let's fix these machines then shall we (laughs) we'll try and you know we've we've come up with some suggestions that that will helpfully hopefully get us through some of these different types of blocks and the strategies you can do to try and get yourself out of that rut so we've kind of defined them as different sorts of blocks so let's deal with with each type at one at a time so if we start with mental block uh, where the ideas just aren't coming Mm. What sort of thing do you do to get over that? So I think if you get mental block, the thing you need to do to get out of it is change. You need to change something. So I think mental block tends to happen when you're stuck doing the same thing over and over. It becomes quite repetitive. You feel a little bit like a machine um, and things just get a little bit stale and samey. So if you can Mm. change something in that routine, I think then the, the kind of creativity and the flow will start to come back a little bit. That could be something as simple as maybe changing the materials you're working with or um, experimenting going to a class maybe or something like that just to expand yeah. your skill set. I, I mean, I find going going to an exhibition, for example, of, of an artist's work is suddenly inspiring to see, mm. oh, look what they're doing. It could yeah. be completely different to my own practice as a painter. I can go see some sculpture, but sort of seeing how other people approach a problem and creatively express themselves is incredibly inspiring. And if I can take or glean a little bit from that, that sometimes sort of shakes up my own routine. The other thing that I do, which I find really, really useful for this, is that I set myself a brief. So oh, that's good. I will say, you know, like almost like I was my own client mm. and try and set a brief. Because if you are staring at a blank canvas or a blank piece of paper, that's a huge yeah. responsibility to fill. Whereas if you set something very basic, like maybe I want to work with a square format and yeah. I want to do this, that and the other, suddenly you've got something to hang ideas on. Yeah. Even if it's very simple, yeah. just like, you know, I'm going to work on a square format today or I'm going to use more yeah. glue or whatever. Yeah. That's just a starting point. It gives something point. for your ideas to cling on to and it's something i mean you don't even need to sort of follow it through it's just enough to get your brain kick-started yeah into ideas i have to admit i suppose because i work primarily on commission as a portrait artist mm. i very rarely suffer that kind of mental block because i know exactly what's expected yeah, you of kind me. of have I'm, the brief yeah it's already you? briefed and it's already planned so i can kind of just yeah. go straight into it without kind of looking at that blank canvas worrying what am i going to create today no well as a, uh, the way that i work it's always basically that that issue and i think one of the things that i know and i know we've d- talked about it in other podcasts is that i work best when i'm out of my comfort zone so i'm constantly looking at ways to push myself into trying new things and certainly when i've got a block i find that brief writing a really good way so i think well what haven't i dealt with or what you know mm. what will be what will be difficult really do you not find that kind of worrying that you might mess it up 
and ruin oh. it if because you're you're sort of you're on that <laughs> well, line. Actually, no. I I think um, I always have this kind of happy optimism that I'll cope as I go along. I mean, I don't sort of like set extraordinary. Mm things i know it's more that i try and push myself yeah and i and so i've got into the habit of pushing myself but in order to push yourself you have to think of a brief to get you there something you want to develop yeah, or specifically exactly. look into so well, i think i can relate to that as well whether it's way. whether it's a material yeah. or you know yeah. i've got a new paintbrush i've yet to try that sometimes can be enough to spark my interest or whether it's a compositional thing or a visual thing that i'm trying to create in a work yeah as a having that that little thing that, that's a bit different just a, a tiny reason bit new. to make something mm. will will often um just get you it, it in my experience with mental block it's sort of sidling around the round it by coming up with a way of stimulating a problem solving. Yeah, creative problem exercise. solving. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's really so helpful. Change, doing something a bit different, just whether it's a big thing or a little thing, yep. change and doing something new in it will kind of mm. almost get you excited about it again. Absolutely. So the next thing that we talked about was confidence. When your confidence has had a hit, and that can be really harsh. Yeah, it's sort of, you can feel quite negative. It's a, I can't do this. I won't win that. I'm not going to get selected. Such and such said it wasn't good enough. And that can hurt everybody's self-esteem and all artists experience that, no matter how successful they are. Sort of imposter syndrome Mm. where you you suddenly think, what am I doing? (laughs) But also... um, I think we all remember the negative comments. Oh, yeah. They're the you ones know, that stand for, out. For every hundred good comments, mm. you might get one negative comment and yeah. that'll be the one you remember. And they can kind of come back and kick you in the teeth mm. when you, you know, maybe feeling a bit vulnerable. It really hurts as well when you think when that negative comment is being made on something you think is good or you thought yes. you got or you thought yeah. you sussed or you're really pleased with. And then someone, for whatever mm. reason disagrees with that I mm. find that quite kind of oh hurtful or, or just really mm. down going oh I didn't win I didn't achieve but I have and to remember it, I sh- I'm not there to please everybody no. not everyone's going to like it and also it. it's it's really easy to get things out of proportion mm. so when it comes to confidence block if I've had a knock to my confidence from what somebody said I know that I can make that into a big drama so one of the things that I always do is to sort of observe what's been said, pretend that I'm eavesdropping on two people I don't know, having the conversation that I've just had. So be more objective about it. Yeah, absolutely. And I I find that really helpful because we do take things to heart and we can get really over-invested and that just stepping away from it helps to get it in proportion. One thing I find as well is sometimes surrounding yourself by your, you know, your family of other like-minded individuals, a family of artists. Yeah, I was going to say that may not be your family. May not be your family, <laughs> but it might be. But just, yeah. just, just getting that community around you of people who do agree with you, they will buck you up. So, you know, I speak to artists all the time who just yeah. sort of feel a bit down and, you know, I feel it's my sort of, you know, job as, as a friend and a colleague mm. to motivate and inspire them and to instill that confidence in them. And, you know, we should kind of look out for mm. each other as well, artists. Well, there are reasons why there are these big conferences for accountants and yeah, things. And it is all about like that. that kind of meeting like-minded people and networking. But also um, it it helps to reinforce that everybody's in the same boat. Mm. And that's a huge confidence booster, mm. I think. If you do have you know, low self-esteem or you're really you know unsure and very nervous, 
it's fine, it will come, but take little steps. Don't mm. You don't have to sort of then jump straight back to where you were before or take a big leap. Small little steps are fine to kind of build up your confidence, whether that is in the making of your work mm. or then the showcasing of your work. If you feel you haven't got the confidence to do it on your own, I would say, well, maybe find someone else to collaborate with, whether mm. it's another artist, say, well, I'll do it with you. Let's enter our work together or mm. I'll give you a bit of a critique before you, so you submit it. So a bit of buddying it. up. Yeah, I think that, that just really builds mm. up your confidence your, your confidence and you just sort of you don't feel alone anymore because well, it's so isolating right. and I think that whole business about little steps is is really key because it's lovely to have big dreams mm. but then it's crushing when those big dreams don't happen yeah they, when they fall they fall a lot harder yeah exactly <laughs> so you can kind of have little steps and always be moving forward positively whereas if you decide in your first year you want to show at some fancy gallery and that mm. doesn't happen that can really block your creativity yeah so let's talk about routine block. Now, this is the one I hear a lot, particularly when I'm teaching. Uh, we both are at the Courtyard Art Studio when people are very inspired by the courses they've just done with mm -hmm. us and they go away and they go, oh, but I haven't got the time. You know, life is too busy and because of family and children. And I, you know, I do feel sorry for people who just have you know, the challenge mm. of squeezing it into their lives, particularly if they've got busy lives. Well, but I think you can make room for it. I mean, we certainly do. Well, I would say, and I, I know this isn't going to be popular, but in my experience, people find things for, for find the time to do things they really want to do. Mm, yeah. And we're not talking necessarily about a lot of time here. You know, it could be 15 minutes to work on your sketchbook or something mm. like that. I would say if you still have time to watch Netflix, mm. but you don't have time to make art, then perhaps you're not as invested. And that's fine. I'm yeah, not saying course. you have to be invested. I'm just saying, you know, really, do you not have time or is it just low on the priority yeah. list? It's why I mean, a lot, a lot of artists I know, and me included, I call what I do a discipline. You know, this is my discipline. It is a discipline. And you have yeah. to be disciplined. You yeah. have to put that work and you have to put yeah. the phone down and dedicate that time and protect it. So, yeah. you know, I ask sometimes, you know, family to help me protect that time because yes. it is really precious to me and they know how precious it is to me in my work. So, you know, set that time, but you've got to commit to it. You've got to keep it. You have. It. And I think that's that's really important. And also when you have that conversation with that fa with your family always take it seriously. If you show your art and the time you spend on your art respect and you speak of it respectfully as something important to you, it makes it far harder for the family to think, oh, it's just mum with her five minutes. It's just a mm -hmm. bit of dabbling. We needn't bother. We can still interrupt her. So I think you do have to set boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. And take it seriously because nobody else will if mm. you don't. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I certainly find this that just sitting around waiting for the big ideas to sort of suddenly ping on your, your mind. It's not going to happen. That doesn't happen. And there's this great quote that says that yeah, I think uh, inspiration exists, but it has to find you working. Yeah. And I love that. Working just means you could be scribbling, you yeah. could be just doing anything. And then suddenly the ideas will start to sort of evolve and, and form in your mind because you are drawing and sketching I and painting and creating. The, the other quote that I like, which was a musician who said, well, inspiration is for amateurs. Yeah. <laughs> and there is a certain truth to that, because if you are earning your living by making art, you're not going to sit around the studio waiting for weeks for the right idea to come along. You have to get on and make it. Yeah. I mean, it's you have to be a real superstar to be able to afford to sit, do nothing for months, and you get your minions to do that for exactly, you. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. For for most working artists, 
you have maybe pictures you have to produce for a show or perhaps you've got commissions to do. I mean, Peter, how would it be if you suddenly found that you couldn't, the muse was not visiting and you had families waiting for a portrait? You've just got to knuckle on. You've got to knuckle on. I come into a studio. I mean, we, I mean, how many of you feel this at home? It's a Monday and you've got to go, oh, I've got to go to work and I've got to commute and I'm tired and I'm, you know, had an awful night's Inevitably, sleep. Inevitably, it's raining. It's raining and, and you're just <laughs> feeling, oh, you know, it's a Monday morning and you get into the studio and I have to produce something beautiful and wonderful and artistic and creative. And, you know, I have to get over that hump, that real difficulty mm. of, of being creative but I make myself work and it may take you know half an hour whatever but then it comes the creativity starts to flow only because I made myself work it is difficult but by doing it you wake yourself up the creative juices start to flow and then it starts to come well certainly when I'm developing a new print or something like that I never expect to sit down and it just to appear Mm. I always think that it's a bit like sport you have to warm up yeah so if you are really blocked then just do a warm-up. It doesn't Mm. matter if you're scribbling. Just pretend you're on the phone doing a doodle, whatever. But the point is that you're actually engaging and creating something. It may be rubbish that you throw away, but that very act will follow on to more creative thoughts and get you over that stage. If you just stop at the first hurdle and think, oh, no, I'm blocked, I can't do anything... No, nothing will happen. Exactly, you kind of got to be in it to win it, haven't yeah, you? You've yeah. got to sort of take part for something to result. So the contrast of that then is the the last sort of block we talked about, which is sort of being overwhelmed by all the, the possibilities and ideas and, and the great visions mm. that you may have. And, and where do you start? And then you end up not doing anything because of all the possibilities. How do we go about overcoming that? Well, I find that this is something that crops up with me regularly. It's not so much as a problem as a symptom. If I have like, let's say an exciting meeting or something, an opportunity crops up, I find quite often that the the sort of sheer excitement of it is overwhelming. Mm. And I've learned that when my brain is busy like that, I step away and I quite often, that is the time you watch something on Netflix and have a <laughs> cup of tea because it just allows things to calm down so you can start being a bit more logical. So not in the heat of the moment, don't yeah, make rash exactly. decisions. I mean, I, I'm not talking about a sort of block that lasts a long time. It's more a sort of reaction to mm. something. And I quite often have to step away and just let things calm down for a little while. Yeah. I mean, do you find that you get yeah, that? I, I, yeah, I do a lot and I have to sort of... Because you lead such an exciting life, I Peter. do, I do. There's so much going on. <laughs> <laughs> but there's, there's, so, there's so much I want to say and do and, and I realise I can't do it all. So the one thing I find very useful is to sort of prioritise it. So I will some, mm. I will write a list and I will write mm. down all the things that are swimming around in my head. First of all, just getting it out of my head onto paper helps me kind of calm down yeah, and forget about absolutely. it. So just that process. I do sometimes wake up you know, in the middle of the night and I'm thinking about yeah. painting because that's the type of sad person I am. And, <laughs> and the best way to cut it out of my head so I can go back to sleep is I will write down whatever it is in my mind. I'll go back to sleep and I can look at it in the morning. So kind of get it out of the head. But that's a really good tip, isn't it? Because it's kind of making sense of it in a very practical way. Yeah. And again, like we were saying before, it's actually engaging and getting something down on paper. Mm it really helps the brain to yeah. deal with things. And then into in, the reality of when it's on paper, to help you not feeling overwhelmed by this massive list, you just have to take it one step at a time. So mm. I will sometimes prioritise 
that mm. list, all the things going on in my head going, well, that is a great idea, but mm. maybe that's an idea I'll do in five years time, but I can't do it right now. I have to park mm. some of the ideas. Yes, you have to do a bit of editing yeah. sometimes. And the ones that I am going to do, I go, okay, well, I've got to do it in the right order. Yeah. So what am I going to do first? And then I'll focus all my efforts on that one work yeah. of art, not getting distracted by too many and take it each step at a time. So, I mean, a good example is if I'm working, say, on an, for an exhibition of work, mm. a collection of pieces that I mm. want to kind of be exhibited at the same time, I find it very overwhelming sometimes to think about it all. So I think about each painting as it comes. And mm. quite often the painting will then lead me to the next, lead me to the next, lead me to the next. And it will start to kind of mm. gel and become an exhibition as opposed to kind of me planning it from the outside in. I'm working from the inside Actually, out. Actually, that's a really good tip, what you were saying there about one thing leading to another. Yeah. You know, if you're really blocked, there's um, one of the things that I sometimes do is I just pull work out and make a little mini exhibition in the studio. Oh, what, your, like your old work? Yeah, and, old work, what? drawings, things like that. And I just pop them all out and have a good look at them and think what works, what doesn't, what do I mm. like, what don't I like. And reviewing what I've done quite often makes me think, oh, you know, there's an idea there I could develop or there's mm. a new approach I could take or, oh, I really like how those look together. Maybe a, I would like to do a set on oh, that's that. That's really clever. I haven't thought that's a good idea. Yeah, I think that's, you know, using your own work as a mm. resource to get your kick started. And as a, as a stepping board to kind of yeah, the next absolutely. thing. absolutely. I, I think that's that's quite good. And also it does remind you that you have made work and actually you can do this and you can go on to the next thing. Yeah. Because I think confidence, it's when you're blocked it's so easy to to sort of talk, lose your confidence yeah really badly can i make the also plea that sometimes it is worth switching off your phone because as wonderful i find social media and all the the, the resource and information out there wonderfully inspiring yeah. sometimes it's intimidating you know, particularly when you say oh well that that idea's already been done or look at that person or i'm never going to be good at that i find that sometimes a block and just by ignoring yeah. it and really focusing and honing in on what I'm doing, I'm enjoying the process a lot more. And I'm, I'm not comparing myself to others. Yes, I think you're you're right because not only is there the problem of comparison, mm. there is also that feeling of sort of overwhelm of information. And sometimes it's nice just to be in your own creative space. So that's great, Laura. We covered all these different types of blocks. What is our takeaway today? Well, our takeaway for this episode is that all artists are likely to get blocked in some way. So don't feel that you're on your own and take practical steps to work through the block. And you may find that it's the springboard to a whole new aspect of creativity. Thank you all so much for listening and thank you for those lovely reviews and ratings you've been leaving for us. If you haven't already, then we'd love to hear from you, particularly if you have an arty question you would like answered. In the meantime, you can catch up with everything we've talked about today and in all our other episodes in our show notes at askanartistpodcast.com.